The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, football fans, and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Around. I'm Jeff Hartman, joined by Coach KT Smith. Coach, post-Super Bowl, what's up? Post-Super Bowl, but... Great day because I, I love talking about the Super Bowl. Sad day because yeah. football is officially over. And now we it have to. It doesn't end, though. It doesn't end, though. This is just the beginning. Now we get the offseason speculation and free agency. This is just the beginning. Come That's on, true. Now. And we get the United Football League in the spring, whatever the heck that is. I'm not watching that. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, the most important thing here is what do you think about the halftime show? Did you watch it? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I had I told you before I had about 25 people at our house That's for right. a party. The 40-something-year-old moms, man, you would have thought they were back in the club in the 90s. They were they were <laughs> rocking with Usher, man. So, I, told my, I told my wife, she does not really care about football, but she'll watch the Super Bowl. I said Usher was a great pick because he bridges some, some gaps in terms of, you know, your age demographic, my age demographic. He's been doing this a long time. Now, the younger people might not know him as well, but uh, yeah. Usher, I thought he did a good job. He actually sang, which was interesting. I actually thought that was good. But let's talk about football. Let's talk about football. The, the title of this and the first topic, and I'm anxious to know what you think. Was this Super Bowl a stud or a dud? Because honestly, there were times where this game sucked. I thought the first half was awful. It was sloppy. It was ugly. Turnovers galore. No one was doing anything of any, and some people are like, well, it's just a defensive grudge match. Yeah, the offenses also look like crap. Where do you stand on this, Coach Stutter Dud? Yeah, it's good. This is going to be a tough one to evaluate when when people do their rankings of great Super Bowls because some people are going to say instant classic, you know, longest Super Bowl ever, walk off, all that great stuff. But I'm with you. I, I you know, uh, the first half was tough to watch. Yeah. Just the mistakes. I mean, the Chiefs played about as poorly as I've seen the Chiefs play in a long time. Uh, sometimes really good defensive football can can muck a game up. And I haven't watched the All-22 yet. It's not out. But I'm, I'm suspecting that when I watch it, you're not going to see open receivers 
anywhere. I think both defenses really had a great game plan and a great understanding of what the opposing offenses wanted to do. And they, and they made it hard on those offenses. And then the offenses compounded it with just some bad football. Uh, so, so from the fourth quarter and the overtime, that was awesome. That was compelling to watch, but yeah, you had to slog through three quarters to get there. Well, you're talking about Christian McCaffrey putting the ball on the turf. Your boy, I, Isaiah Pacheco, putting the ball on the turf. Yeah. Mahomes throwing an interception. Like, my gosh, what is going on? Like, this is this is the Super Bowl, and I know things can get tight and they can get tense. Anyone that tells me instant classic, you can say the ending was an instant classic, but the game itself, no, far from it. I wouldn't even have this game in its entirety in my top 10 list. I could easily rattle off 10 better Super Bowls right now than I would say this. The ending was great, but even the ending, there was there was drama, but I don't know about you. I I knew they were gonna score. Did you get that feeling too? Um, not as much, only because Kansas City had not been consistent throughout the game. Right. Obviously, you're thinking Mahomes, Mahomes, but hey, uh the way they played, you could easily see where you know Mahomes throws a great pass to a receiver and then he gets the ball knocked out and boom, game's over there. You know, I didn't trust yeah. Kansas City to execute cleanly all 11 guys, you know? So, right. but yeah, if they, if they were clean, then sure. Mahomes was going to take him down the field. Do you think, let me ask you this before we go to our next topic. If Jake Moody's extra point isn't blocked, do you think that the chiefs eventually score a touchdown to win it all? Like that Patrick Mahomes knows what I got to do. I know what I got to do. I'm going to get it done. Do you think that's the case? Or do you think that it would, uh, it's not going down like that? Ooh, I don't know. It's very butterfly effect. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know, man. What, what at what point did Mahomes like simply become Mahomes in that game? I mean, he just he just uh, as he got a feel for things, he really started to get better and better. I thought Andy Reid's play calling got better and better. Now, if, if Moody makes that extra point, does it increase that sense of urgency? I mean, are those are those just two guys that are at their absolute best when the pressure is utmost? Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe that's the case too. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, we'll we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes a little bit, and I, I but I want to ask you about the second topic, which is the overtime. It's the first Super Bowl to go to overtime since they changed the rules, which is correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. Both teams are guaranteed a possession no matter what, even if a team scores a touchdown. Unlike when Tom Brady brought the Patriots all the way back from twenty-eight to three, they score on the, the touchdown on the opening drive. Falcons never touch the football. That's changed. That is correct. My interpretation of the rule is correct, yes? Yep. Yes, All right. So Kyle Shanahan wins the toss, and he elects to take the football. There's a lot of people out there that said, wrong, wrong, wrong. You want to kick it off, and then you get to know what you have to do based on the result. What do you think? Did he make the right decision by taking the football or not? Yeah, I so I, I get his logic. His logic, his, his argument for why he took the ball was because uh in his, he said in, in in our calculations the third possession was going to be key because if both teams either, you know, both teams wind up with the same number of points after the first two possessions, you go to that third possession and now it's sudden death. And essentially he said, I, we wanted to guarantee that, that when it got to a third possession, we would be the ones with the opportunity to win that sudden death situation. And that makes, that makes sense. If, if you're convinced that you're going to get to 
the third possession, which entails you stopping Patrick Mahomes in some way, shape, or form. And I think that was the dangerous thing there, that by you taking the ball first, you, you're you allowing Mahomes to know and read to know what they have to do. And in essence, you're giving them the luxury of an extra down. Whereas with San Francisco, they get into a fourth down there on their opening possession and they opt to kick the field goal. I mean, if they're in the other scenario, then they're going to go for it, obviously, on fourth down. They get themselves the extra down. So I don't it's hard to it's hard to, to really bang on Kyle Shanahan for that decision because there's a lot that goes into it. And no coach in the history of the NFL has had to make that exact decision before. Uh, so, you know, and man, maybe he maybe he trusted his defense. Maybe he felt like the, the, the uh, metrics were in his favor. Yeah, I mean, you're hedging your bets well. Congratulations. You did a good job there. But <laughs> I could have just been like, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's it's a tough, it's a fine line. I love that you said no coach has ever been in this position. So when people are getting ready to hammer Kyle Shanahan and say, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, no one has done it before. You know, it, this happened after the Bills and Chiefs playoff game is the year after that is when they changed the rule on overtime to make sure that every team gets a possession the more I think about it, the more I think if I were in that situation now, in hindsight's 2020, I would have kicked the ball away. I would have kicked the ball away. And that that gives you a lot of information as well. You hope your defense gets a stop. All you need is a field goal to win it. And there you go. But if they go down and kick a field goal, now you have the luxury, like you said, of the extra down. But I want to get your thoughts on the fact that there were some players on both sides. Let's be fair that didn't even know the rule. How do you not know this rule? How do you not prepare your team? You have two weeks to say, hey, guys, listen, remember, what this is a playoff rule. This isn't just a Super Bowl. How do you not go over this the last three weeks and say, remember, remember, if we go to overtime, those teams get a possession. Coach, please explain how some players on this roster didn't know this. <laughs> Uh, you'd be surprised what some players don't know. And uh, <laughs> I shared a text with you earlier where, you know, talking about an NFL coach who had told me that he just, you, you, it's amazing the, the number of things that players are not aware of. Uh, I think it's interesting because while Shanahan and, and his staff seem to have made a lot of calculations internally, there may not have been a, a very good job uh, on their part of expressing that strategy to the team. Sometimes as a coaching staff, you think, hey, there's things we need to know as far as our approach, but maybe maybe we don't need to share those things with the team or maybe we just forget. Maybe you just forget to, to, to map it all out distinctly. And in that instance, like I know in, with, with our overtime situation in high school, um, we just make sure that our guys know that the rules are different. I mean, we, we start from the 25 and play in from there the way that they do in college. But the calculations are interesting. I'll go back real quick to what we were just talking about. The calculations are similar. It, it, we know that both teams are going to get a possession, and so we always want to be on defense first. And and when you when you think about Shanahan's decision, if he leans back, if he leans in on on the way that, that that they do it in high school and college, then that's the move. So when you said you know you would, you're leaning towards him kicking off, that's the standard play at the lower levels when you know both teams are getting a possession. There you go. I, I think that makes sense. And so it's going to be really interesting how that, I don't know, it, it, it's going to be second guessed, but again, no one has done it yet. And so I think that's important to note. Let's go to the next topic, which I think is a good segue. When you think about this game after the fact, do you think that the chiefs won it or did the Niners lose it? Because 
on Monday morning, I was on with the great Hondo Carpenter, who's been on your call sheet podcast before. He was in attendance. He covered the, the Super Bowl for Sports Illustrated. And he said bluntly, the Niners lost the game. He didn't think the Chiefs won it. The Niners lost it, whether it was getting away from the run when they were breaking off six, seven yards a clip sometimes with Christian McCaffrey, or whether it were the turnovers. He said, I think the Niners lost it. You agree with him or do you disagree? Uh, I, I lean a little bit in that direction. I I don't want to discredit Kansas City for being who they needed to be when the, the game was on the line. I mean, clearly the Chiefs played their best football late, uh, but they wouldn't have been in that position if San Francisco didn't open the door. I thought San Francisco's decision coming out of halftime, they went three and out on three straight possessions. They had a 10-3 lead that, that turned into a 13-10 deficit in part because they couldn't move the ball. And on those three three and outs, they ran uh, one time. They threw the ball eight out of nine plays. And I think that was a mistake, especially when Steve Spagnuolo made the, made the decision at halftime to, to ramp up the blitz, man. He really – he played a lot of zone in the first half. Uh, San Francisco executed fairly well against it, and he went man in the second half, and he started bringing people. And that's what he did to Lamar Jackson to great effect. And it and – it, you know, I think it, it was effective against Brock Purdy as well. I also think that there were other instances other than overtime, you know, the overtime rules, or maybe San Francisco wasn't as prepared as they needed to be. I'm shocked, shocked that Kansas City was able to run that same play for the winning touchdown that they had run against Philadelphia in this yep. twice for touchdowns the year before. And San Francisco was completely and utterly unprepared for it. They had no idea how to adjust. When you run that same that 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 winning play back, you just see San Francisco not know how to check it. They didn't. They had you know three guys in a bunch. They brought a dude in motion. They whipped them back into the flat. San Francisco started to bump it, and then they had no idea how who should be covering who. And that's that's inexcusable given that that same play was the winning touchdown in last year's Super. And that was a play that you talked about last week when you said yep. about wrinkles. You mentioned that one play, and I was like, man, that's the play. That's the play yep. Coach described on our whip around. Um, okay, I, I want to ask you a couple questions that aren't on our topic list. First and foremost, as a head coach, if you're coaching a team and you're down 7 nothing, and one of your players comes up and does what Travis Kelsey did to Andy Reid, what's your reaction as a head coach? <laughs> um, my players are aren't multimillionaires dating the world's <laughs> biggest pop star. So <laughs> I have a lot more latitude <laughs> in how I can react. But that was fairly shocking, wasn't it? To see. Yes, it was. very uncharacteristic because Travis Kelsey, you know, I mean, he plays with emotion, but you've never seen any kind of sort of sideline outburst from him like that before. I don't, I think Andy Reid might've been as stunned uh, as much as any other emotion. Uh, your probably your inclination is you can sit your ass down for the rest of the game, if you're going to act like this, we're only down seven, nothing is the first quarter. What is your deal? Uh, that was, that was me watching. I'm like, what is his problem? Like, it's not, it's not fourth quarter, three minutes left. You're down by 10 and frustration is boiling over. The game had just started. I don't understand that at all. It was just really, really interesting to me how that, how that went. But I believe uh, he was angry because he was off the field on the play where Pacheco fumbled and and he, yeah, you because know, I, I think you know, as an amateur lip reader, it was like keep me on the field is is basically what he yeah. what he was yelling. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think Andy Reid would have loved to have <laughs> you know, disciplined in in that moment. I also think Andy Reid understood this is the damn Super Bowl. 
oh, yeah. I, I got I got to keep him on the field. And so whatever yeah. issue that they're going to have, you know, ha- uh, handle, they're going to handle it after the game. There's no issue. They won the freaking Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I don't know if it's your party. How how many people were there were, were kind of was kind of clouding the the noise level. I want to ask what your thoughts are on Tony Romo and his call of the game. I have my I have my own thoughts. I want to get your thoughts on Romo as a color guy. I mean, yeah, honestly, I I didn't hear a lot of it because there were okay. a lot of people there, but most people left after the third quarter. Uh, is they're heading home with their kids and things like that. So I got to hear all of most of the fourth and all of the overtime. Uh, the the last play was horrendous. I mean, CBS botched the last play horrendously. That should be a legendary call, right? You know, like yeah. if you're if you're especially if you're the play by play guy, like you need Tony Romo to get the hell out of your way and let you call it, and then shut up. And let everybody just sort of like, you know, like, I mean, silence in in the, when a big thing happens like that and the celebration is occurring, silence is the best move just to let the viewer take in, get a little bit of a feel for, you know, what the players are experiencing, et cetera. And Romo babbled through all of that. They didn't run a replay for like two minutes after my wife was like, run the replay so we can see what what happened. But they couldn't because Romo was blah, 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 you know, so I thought he really botched that. I I'm not a Romo fan. The only thing that Romo did that I liked was he, he talked about Spagnolo. He goes, he's not going to go down without sending the house. He said he is going to blitz Brock Purdy because even if they get burned, you get Patrick Mahomes back on the football field sooner with more time. And so that was like, okay, that's a good call. I never thought of it that way. Other than that, I mean, it was a constant state of, I'm going to go for it here, Jim. I'll tell you what, let's, Hey Jim, it's fourth down. I'm going to go for it. And even Jim Nance, who's a golfer, he's a golfer. He's a golf guy. He's like, I don't know, Tony, I'd probably take the points here. And they kick the field goal and they move on with their lives. Cause it was the right decision. Uh, Tony Romo's stick is getting a little old with me. Uh, I think there's a lot of better color guys. Tony Romo's first year was pretty cool. He's calling plays before it happened. Now he just kind of seems more unprepared than anything else. I saw a really strong article written about, I think it was the Washington Post, uh, about how Romo and Nance have been ripped for being CBS's number one crew and they're paying Romo all this money. So I just want to get your take on that. And then uh, I love Jim Nance. Obviously, as a golfer, I love Jim Nance, but uh, we'll see. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes here on the next topic. Or real quick, can, I, can I interrupt for one second? Yeah, go for it. Uh, how are you going to feel two years from now when Tom Brady's calling the Super Bowl? I think it's next year, isn't it? Next year, he's, okay. <laughs> he's taking over. He's taking over the number one crew on Fox from Greg Olson. I, I love Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson's really. good. I think he's very good as well. Yeah. I actually think Tom Brady will be pretty good too. Okay. Because Tom, I, I don't think Tom Brady's going to try if he's smart and if his agent's smart. Like, look, you don't want to do what Romo's doing. Just give your analysis. Like that's all Greg Olson does. He doesn't go over and beyond. I like Kirk Herbstreet because, like you said, they'll shut up and why they'll let the play go. They'll let the play-by-play guy do their job. Then they'll add the color when it's time for the color. Romo tries to do everything. He tries to do everything, and it's just too much. It's over the top. But, yeah, Tom Brady, I don't know. I'll, I'll see how that looks. I like Greg Olson, though. But, yeah. Okay, let's go about Patrick Mahomes. He's been a starter in the quarter, at, at the quarterback position for six years. In that time, he's been to six AFC Championship games, four Super Bowls. He's won three of them. He's been crowned the most valuable player twice. He's entering the conversation as one of the best to ever play the position. Where do you put him in that regard? What do you, what say you coach? Oof, yeah, this is a great one, man. I, I just think that first of all, that resume alone, I don't yeah. know if there's a better first six years in the history of the league. I, I, I would have to do some research, but uh, 
I mean, six for six in championship games, four Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl wins in your first six years. That's that's pretty awesome. So yeah. uh, I, I'm not ready. I, I think the resume is still incomplete. I'm not ready to put him up there yet with some of these guys that did it consistently for 14, 15 years. There's a lot of those guys. But I, I think that, you know, he is heading. If it, it, I, I can't see any fall off in his play. So unless there is some sort of injury that really derails him or, or the Chiefs kind of fall apart, maybe Andy Reid steps down or some talk about he might retire and then the new regime isn't nearly as good, whatever. It, unless there's some external uh, change, I can't see Mahomes – finishing out of the top five of the best quarterbacks, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, clearly you have, you have um, Montana and clearly you have Brady. uh, And then, you know, people are going to haggle over who's next. Is it Peyton Manning? Is it John Elway? But he is entering that conversation for sure. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I thought that this last game, I, I don't, I can't say I remember vividly all the other Super Bowl wins for the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs, but this game, I really felt like Patrick Mahomes said, you know what? Climb on the back. I'm going to get the job done. And when I say that he did it with his legs, I mean, there was that fourth down call where, I mean, he had an option to throw it to Kelsey and he kept it and he ran for, I think 20 plus yards. Uh, just, he, I was amazed by how well he played down the stretch and I shouldn't be amazed because the guy's done it time and time again, but we've said it all season. He's doing it with a cast of characters. That's not what we're used to. There's no Tyreek Hill. You know, I mean, and Isaiah Pacheco is a good running back, but he's not a great running back. He has one guy, Travis Kelsey, who was held in check for almost the entire first half, had a good second half. But I I, I was just shocked. He's absolutely entering that rarefied air of quarterbacks. And I agree with you. Where where do we ever point to and say, look, this is going to derail his career? We said that with Tyreek Hill left. We said that when they struggled in 2023. And they won the damn Super Bowl again. Yeah. I thought Justin Reed's comments were interesting. He said when Chris Jones pressured Brock Purdy on the third and four that San Francisco had in overtime yeah. uh, down in the red zone and forced an incompletion, and that brought up fourth and four, and he saw the field goal unit trotting out for San Francisco, he said he turned to Chris Jones and said, you just won us the football game because he knew – that when they kicked the field goal and and you know San Francisco kicked the ball back to Kansas City, Mahomes was going down the field to score. I thought that was yeah. fascinating. It's still a tie game. San Francisco's about to kick the field goal to take the lead, and already Justin Reed's like, it's over. It's over. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's pretty awesome. And I want to ask you about Brock Purdy quickly before we go to the last topic here. I I, I was I was impressed with Brock Purdy. He's poised. Uh definitely probably was confused a little bit, but Spagnola would do that to a lot of quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of 49ers faithful that have kind of, they might be outwardly saying, oh, he can't win the big one or something like that. And they might want Kirk Cousins this offseason because they know the relationship with Kyle Shanahan dating back to Washington. But what's your take on Brock Purdy in that game? I'm a believer, man. I, you know, I know Pez thinks he's a fraud. He likes to say, <laughs> oh, Purdy's a fraud. But uh, I think that, he, uh, that he's a great fit for that offense. He's been increasingly throughout these playoffs impressive with his legs and the yeah. way that he's moved about the pocket and, and him scrambling. And when he adds that element to his game, because he's already accurate, he's already got really good poise. There was one play there where uh, Kansas City brought like an overload blitz from his right. 
And, uh, you know, he, he really very, very deftly just sort of slid left into the pocket, no panic, kept his eyes down the field and hit, I think, Brandon Ayuk on a crossing route for about an 18, 19 yard gain. And I thought to myself, man, that's like, that's a veteran move. That's the move of a guy who really feels comfortable in the pocket, but more than that knows what to expect. Oh, pressure in my face from, from the right slide left, hit my crossing route, move on, play the next play. And again, I just think he looks like a guy who belongs. Yeah. I, everyone's like, Oh, Brock Purdy can't. And the dude is a seventh round draft pick. He's been the NFC championship game. He got hurt. And then he got to get to the Super Bowl. I, I don't know how any 49er fan can sit there and say, we want someone better. I think that he's only going to get better. And I think that 49ers team is going to be better off for it because he's on that really cheap rookie deal. They're going to be able to continue to add pieces. It's going to be interesting to watch. That's a good segue into our final topic here. The Vegas, oh, the sports books are already at it. They've already got the odds out for 2024, 2025. And so here's here's what they are, because I wrote this for steelcurtainnetwork.com. Sam Fran, odds on winner to win it next year at plus 550. Kansas City, plus 650. Then the Ravens at plus 900. Bills, plus 1,000. Lions, plus 1,200. Bengals, plus 1,300. And then you get into the Dolphins at plus 17. Eagles, Packers, Cowboys, all plus 2,000. So the question is, what is your way too early prediction for next season's Super Bowl? Pittsburgh Steelers, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, now I've I got to get my straight face on after that one. Um, I mean, I, it, unless Reed steps down, I have a hard time. They say he's coming back. They say okay. he's coming back. Okay. That's what All I'm right. reading. Yeah. Then, then, I mean, then I'm with, I'm going to ride with the chiefs until somebody proves it wrong. I, I just feel like right now, nobody's really got an answer yet for, for what they do. I mean, they've looked bad at times. There was a stretch in the middle of the season where everybody's like, Oh, they're mortal. But one thing that's scary about them, they're young. That's a young football team. And they've got some cap money. They haven't destroyed themselves uh, with the salary cap. And now Mahomes is talking about doing some kind of Tom Brady deal where he re restructures his contract to give him some money back to work with. Uh, they've got a great coaching staff. They got the best quarterback on the planet. And, and they were, and they, this was a year where like they shouldn't have won the Super Bowl. This was a down year. There was an article on the athletic today that said, you know, for all these people who do advanced stats, uh, that that as far as EPA goes, this was the 29th best Chiefs team in Kansas City Chiefs history. And so what does that mean? That means like this was not uh, a, a Chiefs team that was expected to be great. And yet they won it all again, man. And so with an, with an offseason to kind of rebound, stock up, uh, get a little better at the skill positions. I don't know. They're, they're scary to me. It, it is going to be tough. I'm going to go with. I don't think 49ers get back. And I don't think Kansas City does either. I'm going to go with, and this is, no, I can't go with the division team. Uh, we'll say Buffalo. No, not Buffalo, because they're not in good cap situation. Kansas City does get back as I'm talking myself through <laughs> this. <laughs> Kansas City gets back, but let's say it's Kansas City Philly rematch. I think that would be fun to watch. And that would be, uh, it would be a good ratings as well. So that's where I'll go with. Now, you wanted to finish this up talking about Andy Reid. No player profile. This is a coach profile. Go ahead. I'll let you do the honors. 
Well, Andy Reid, I'm yeah, very familiar with him. He was the coach in Philadelphia for a long time. I listened to Eagles fans for years. Bad mouth Andy Reid as the guy who can't win the big one. He can get you there, but he'll never win the big one. And and anytime you get a generational quarterback, that helps for you to win the big one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Bill Belichick knows that. Uh, obviously, the Steelers did well with, with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you get a guy, again, uh, a Peyton Manning. And now Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that'll certainly make you a better coach. There's nothing nothing that helps uh, a coach look better than great players. But Andy Reid's also figured some stuff out. And, and he's really kind of – I wouldn't say he's reinvented himself as a play caller uh, because he was doing some pretty interesting things back in Philadelphia when he had Donovan McNabb. He was, he was ahead of the curve a little bit, one of the first guys to really start to do some read option stuff. That wasn't really a thing that was in the NFL uh, and, and – uh, Reed brought some of that to Philadelphia, but I just think he's such a masterful play caller right now. I mean, you you look at the uh, the the two cr- most crucial plays of the game when Kansas City got the ball back in overtime, trailing by three. They faced a fourth and one, uh, you know, from their own side of the field that they converted when Mahomes ran for about eight yards, and then obviously the play they ran to score the game-winning touchdown. They were. Uh, Plays in which the defense was put in such a bind. Perfect play calls for the moment. Anticipating pressure, anticipating coverage. Just knowing exactly what to call in those ultimate moments. I mean, that, that those are calls that I think separate good and great coaches. And, and Andy Reid has become a great coach because of just the way that he understands the game, but also the way he deals with people. He's a little bit like Mike Tomlin in that you never hear Players of his, ex-players of his, say anything bad about him. The only guy, the only guy I've ever heard anything say anything bad about Andy Reid was Freddie Mitchell, the old Eagles wide receiver who was permanently disgruntled. Uh, but, <laughs> but other than that, man, nothing but great things to say about Andy Reid in terms of how he handles players. So I'm glad he's having this moment, right? You know, now he's had enough. Okay, three's enough. It's time for time for somebody else to win it. You know, preferably somebody in black and gold. But that would be but nice. still, man, I, I'm glad that he that he. Uh, after all those years in Philly where he just got bad mouthed for so long. And, and, you know, I mean, people, fans were terrible, man, calling him fat Andy and all that stuff. Just, uh, and then he went through those personal issues with his sons. It's nice to see a good guy, a good guy like Andy Reed be redeemed. It's interesting how everyone talks about coaching trees, right? The McVay tree. Now the Shanahan tree, like they all want coaches from that tree. Andy Reid, like you mentioned, has been doing it for a long time, been very successful for a long time, and yet his name never gets brought up as it pertains to, wow, we want that coach from that from that coaching tree. Like No one's saying that. Like The coordinators, what is he at, Matt Nagy and Spagnolo now, Like they're just there doing their job. They had Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy leaves. Now he's not coaching anywhere because he got fired from when, when Dan Quinn takes over the commanders. But uh, really interesting. I, I find that very interesting. But Andy Reid, like you said, does it the right way and has been winning for a very long time. There's a lot of stuff to talk about that we didn't even cover. Like the, I think the turning point in the game was the muff punt. That yeah. that that to me was the, that that changed everything. That changed everything. Wasn't on Ray Ray McLeod, former Steeler, by the way. It wasn't nope. on him. It hit the hit the up man. So you got to keep keep that in mind. But coach, any final thoughts on the Super Bowl before we call the show? No, I mean, I just feel as though uh, we're, we're we're seeing with this Kansas City team uh, something that's kind of unique, which is I think what, uh, when Brady 
peaked in in New England and and it was clear that their dynasty was over. There was a lot of talk about we're never going to see another dynasty because of the way the NFL structured the draft, uh, the the schedule. It's all built against the most successful teams. The league wants parity, et cetera. So really, it, it, it was only what a handful of years before that script got flipped in a hurry. Yeah. And and I think the big takeaway, of course, is this man: when you combine great coaching with great quarterback play, the possibility for what the Chiefs are doing, what the Patriots did, that still exists no matter how the league is structured. That is the ultimate combination. There's a lot of teams that have great coaches and great quarterbacks put together in the league. But, man, when, when you get to the level that Kansas City's at, the best coaches with the best quarterback, you can still build a dynasty. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. But for all the listeners out there that might have been a loyal follower of the NFL Whip Round all season, know that this show is not going anywhere. We're going to continue on throughout the offseason to cover things like free agency, rumors, leading up to the NFL draft, and, of course, getting back into training camp and getting ready to do it all over again. So, Coach, it's been a fun season. We're not going anywhere, though. But why don't you tell everyone what's coming up on the call sheet? Because that show's not going anywhere either. No, no, not going anywhere at all. Yeah, I mean, we're going to look a little bit at, at some of the coaching decisions in this Super Bowl. The call sheet's largely about coaching. We'll look at some of the big coaching decisions in this Super Bowl. And then on our uh, call sheet breakdown this week, we're going to do a, a – well, we're calling it the one-play breakdown, so I'm actually going to profile two plays, the two plays I just mentioned, the fourth-and-one call, and then the touchdown to win it by Andy Reid. Two very, very – uh, interesting versions of the same play that he got away with again, two Super Bowls in a row, and we'll look at how he did it. That's awesome. And you can, if you want any of our Steelers coverage, you can find us at the Steel Curtain Network, anywhere where you get your podcast, search Steel Curtain Network or Steelers. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. Coach, thanks for another good show. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. Yes, sir. <laughs>